Hey, James, if you can hear me, let's kill the music and rock and roll here. <clears throat> All right, looks like the music is gone, so uh, hopefully everyone can hear me. Sorry about the technical difficulties there as we were trying to, to get on. I, I don't know what happened to the... Uh, scheduled space there, but I appreciate James getting all that worked out. So going to jump in here and uh, tell everyone about Wonders of the First. I want to try to keep this space ideally relatively short so that it could be uh, used well for replay and that sort of thing. We're actually going to have a uh, Q&A space that we'll announce the time for, but I think it's going to be at four o'clock on Thursday. Uh, and that'll be one where we'll have more uh, free form, allow people to come on and ask questions. And this one, we're going to try to kind of stick to a little bit of a structure that, uh, that we have planned. So what I'd like to do is just start by giving everyone a little bit of a background here, kind of an origin story of, of what brought us to this point. As many of you may know, we uh, approach things in block packs, trying to really focus on the idea of collectability and making sure that we're intentional in uh, the collectible aspect of everything that we're doing. We've been working in the space for three years. We were among the first to tokenize real physical assets. Uh, we've had over 3 million of assets redeemed, uh, mostly uh, trading cards, CCGs, sports cards, memorabilia, that sort of thing. Um, I'm not exactly sure what is the total value in the vault today. I know what the insurance policy is and it's uh, in the uh, 10 million plus range. Um, I'm not quite sure what the total value vaulted is today, but it's it's not insignificant. And so we were among one of the first to to do that. And then also using tokenized physical assets essentially as prizes around various gamified adventures and that sort of thing that we've been working on building. And then along the way, we said, look, we want to build digital collectibles that have a strong collectible thesis. And so we were looking out at the calendar and we saw this little thing called the Ethereum merge that was uh, scheduled to happen in September of last year. And we kind of said, look, someone is going to uh, achieve getting the final collection of the mining era. And someone's going to get the first collection of the proof of stake era as it flips over. Why not, why not us? Why not take a shot at that? And so that's what we did. And we ended up with the last collection on proof of work, which is now our beloved Lost Miners of the Ether. You can see that on my PFP here and a number of others that are joining us in the audience. And uh, the Lost Miners of the Ether is just a collection that I and the team are super proud of, what it's come to mean from a cultural perspective, the same way that a miner seeks out finding a rare vein to, 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 to mine ore or jewels. Uh, you know, collectors do the same thing and, and collectors have really vibed with it. And we set it out to be this no external dependencies built in the punks ethos. They exist is our tagline. But there was one little piece of, of utility in air quotes that came with the lost miners. And that was the promise that, hey, we also achieved getting the first proof of stake collection and the lost miners would have a gateway into that. And so as we move over and we talk about that first proof of stake collection, essentially what we did is on September 15th, we were the first collection created on Ethereum proof of stake. This is indisputable. I can share the block numbers, the IDs, the block IDs with you. You can go look it up yourself. We were the only collection actually created in the first proof of stake uh, block. Um, and there wasn't another collection, not us, for some number of blocks later. And when we created the collection in the same transaction that created it, we also uh, minted the entire token supply and staked them into the contract where they awaited their claim. And as we sat back and said, look, 
now we have this first proof of stake uh, contract, that, which kind of has this immediate uh, interesting provenance story, provenance story to it. What can we do here to build something that the world has never seen before? Let's let's take a big swing and, and, and swing for the fences. And out of that was born Wonders of the First. And Wonders of the First, I want to just start by letting everyone know what it is. Wonders of the First is a far-reaching, broad IP catalog of characters that are going to then um, be shaped by all of the different applications and uses of that IP going forward. The, the, that first collection uh, on proof of stake is going to be used to hold what we refer to as our character proofs, 5,000 individual, unique, one-of-one characters that make up the wonders of the first universe. That's what's going to go onto that first proof of stake contract. Now, imagine if when Pokemon was established, if the first thing that they did before they released a cartoon, before they released a video game, before the, the CCG existed, if the first thing that they did was mint their characters onto the world's decentralized uh ledger ethereum and said we're going to allow one collector to have the character proof for pikachu and when you own the character proof for pikachu you also come along with ip rights to use that character in certain ways that aren't detrimental to the pokemon franchise if you want to print pikachu on lunch boxes and t-shirts you can do that and if you owned that today what on earth in a, you know, uh, the Pokemon franchise, what, $100 billion valuation? What would the Pikachu be worth? I, I don't know, but it'd be worth a lot. And the rights to be able to use that, to see that character come to life, that's what our character proofs are. They are the genesis, the beginning of this world. And it would have never been possible without the power of um, AI and a lot of human hand and a lot of human touch and our creative director that was in charge of bringing this world to life is on stage with me here in, uh, in Chris Kish. And Kish, I'd like to invite you just to hop in here and maybe just tell everyone a little bit more about those character proofs and, uh, and, and what they mean to the world of, of Wonders of the First. Absolutely. Thank you very much. And, um, you know, just jumping off and piggybacking off of what you said with the Pokemon franchise you know first of all pokemon's worth 92 billion dollars um and so if you owned that pikachu uh character proof you know that thing could be worth a billion a couple billion dollars and so what we really wanted to do is you know look at a universe full of our own characters that could really influence and build out this franchising culture um just as much and hopefully even more so um than some of the ones you've heard about so we built uh 5, characters uh, for the character proof, uh, for the character proofs of Wonders of the First, and so you know, almost in in the span of just over a year, we were able to fully uh, flesh out this universe, and um, you know, we have everything in there in this universe from you know legendary primary characters, you know, they have supporting characters, we call them secondary characters, 
there's items and artifacts and lands and spells and um, just about anything that you can imagine. And every single one of the 5,000 tokens was hand mapped to a larger universal world. So if you have, you know, any token that you end up with will have had some thought put into it as to what is the context of how this thing fits into the larger universe. And, um, you know, there's some visuals that maybe we'll share um, later on or in our Discord. If you're not in our Discord, please make sure that you join. Um, but that'll show you just the expansiveness and the layers of all these characters in our world. And, you know, I don't know if Frenchie had already mentioned it, but we do call these things character proofs uh, because we believe that no matter what, even if it's a human or a primary character or a legendary, or if, even if it's just an item, um, that there's a story for these characters to tell, similar to how the Marauders map in Harry Potter has uh, a story and lore behind it, similar to the Infinity Stones of Marple. So we're going to be building this out with the help of all of you in the community to really give all of these character proofs and the art uh, a real depth and story and canonization inside of our universe. Yeah, so that's thanks, Chris. That's that. That was a great overview there. And so another way that I like to think about what Wonders of the First is, if you if another well known franchise is you know Lord of the Rings, and if Tolkien, when he started, he gave us Middle Earth in written form. He gave us um, you know the stories of what those characters are. And then when you read the book, you may have a vision of how you see it. Over time, it became illustrated. The IP began used in other ways. And today, of course it's shaped by the, the movie franchise. And so when you think of Frodo today, you kind of have a vision of probably what he looks like from actor in the movie. And that world was established world for with words first in the form of the book, same way with Harry Potter, uh, same way with Song of Ice and Fire for Game of Thrones. And from there, they, they went forward into the art. We actually are coming at it from the other end. We're actually art first and establishing these characters really without the story being written. And then, you know, this would not have been possible were it not for AI and where AI is today as an art form. But the other thing that is rapidly expanding at just a breakneck speed is AI's ability to handle so many other tasks, whether it be written, um, the story form, whether, I mean, whether it be, uh, we're starting to see prompt-based video, all sorts of things. And we're going to continue to leverage AI to bring all of that lore and story around this world together. Whereas if you own a character, a lot of you would have probably have never in a million years sat down and wrote lore about a character. We've seen that fail in a lot of other NFT projects. Um, but if you want to, with Wonders of the First, you'll be able to help shape that lore out of your character proofs by simply going in and giving the AI a few prompts. The AI will know what the rest of the lore is. It will know what to canonize, and you'll be able to have your hand in shaping your character, if you so choose. If you don't want to do that, you don't have to touch it. You can just own your character proof there as, as, a, as a really uh, unique and innovative uh, collectible on the blockchain. And again, approaching it with that sort of intentionality. Now, Wonders of the First is this broad IP catalog. It is a world. It is established by the character proofs. If you're listening to this and you want a character proof, the way to get in is to have two of our lost miners by tomorrow morning at nine o'clock and you'll get a claim and you'll still own your miners. 
Um, yes, that's a high entry point because you got to buy two miners. I get it. Uh, there will be secondary market for the character proofs, and there will be about a one week period where they're unrevealed. So if you want the pack opening experience of one of those character proofs, by all means, you can pick one up on secondary market. Do I think you can probably pick one up a little bit more economically than buying two miners tonight? Probably so. Um, but I also believe that the miners are pretty daggum amazing too, and having two miners is also pretty awesome. So we would love to see, if anyone's listening to this, love to have you come into the miners. You're joining a group of collectors that have a really strong collectible thesis. You can go back and look at how that collection has behaved since it was uh, created. Um, and it's just, it's, it's, I think we've really got something special there that just needs its inflection point moment and for the market to cooperate. And I think we've got something really cool and innovative there. But that's how you would get in on the character proofs. Now, let's move on to the next thing that we have hooking. And that is that the first use of the IP, whereas with uh, Lord of the Rings, you know, I don't, I don't know what the first use of that was, probably a graphic novel, but let's just say it was the movie. Our first use of the Wonders of the First IP is a collectible card game. And for those of you who know me, know our uh, community, this is this is in our wheelhouse. It's what we do. I mean, Magic the Gathering is my jam. I'm not so much a player, but I'm a hell of a collector of it. Uh, Pokemon, I'm a hell of a Pokemon collector. I'm a sports collector. I collect these things. I love it. So taking a really intentional view at building a collectible card game and doing things that no company, including the biggest and best in the business, Wonders or Wizards of the Coast, the Pokemon company, all of them, none of them have done some of the things that we're going to be telling you about on this space. And I'm really excited to introduce kind of someone who is also an incredible linchpin in everything we're doing on the game development side. And I will let him kind of maybe tell you a little bit about his background. But uh, Icon Seed here that you see on stage with us, this is actually Brian Tinsman. And Brian's a published author in the uh, world of tabletop gaming and, and, and collectible card gaming. He spent time, a decade with Wizards of the Coast. He's built Magic the Gathering uh, sets. He's built Pokemon sets. And Brian is the person that is steering the ship for us on the actual CCG gameplay side. Uh, so Brian, would love to have you introduce yourself and, and then maybe kind of go into some of the things with your vast experience on the production side and 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 being in that world with those major franchises, maybe talk about some of the unique innovations that we're doing here that maybe get you a little geeked up and excited. Yeah, thanks for the intro. Nice to talk to everybody. Uh, yeah, as uh, as Frenchie mentioned, I got uh, I've been a game designer for twenty years and uh, ten years at Wizards of the Coast working on Magic: The Gathering and. Pokemon, uh, I got about 12 CCGs, collectible card games that I've, I've worked on uh, in the past. And I was lead designer on eight Magic sets. Uh, so collectible card games are kind of a, a specialty in terms of game design for me. And uh, it was really great. Uh, Frenchie and, and Kisher brought me in uh, pretty early in the project to, to make sure that I had kind of a an, an eye on how Wonders of the first as an IP was being developed to make sure it was going to be optimized for use in uh, car, uh, card games and all kinds of other uh, gaming IP and make sure it has uh, a good good fit with the division of the factions and the different types of uh, characters that you can create. And uh, I think they did a, you know, a fantastic job on it. 
Um, uh, I, I was I was kind of amazed at the audacity of the concept uh, that, that they, they want to do 5,000 different characters. And, you know, normally when you release a card game, uh, you're, you're talking about like maybe 300 characters or something like that. And, you know, so this is like 20 times <laughs> what you would normally expect. I'm, I'm like, are you sure? Are you sure? But uh, I'll be damned if they didn't pull it off. But uh, I'll talk about... Uh, the the concept of uh, of the game, uh, we we have a nice uh, clean uh, battle system that we've been uh, designing and playtesting for uh, quite a few months that we feel very solid about. And one of the big advantages of CCGs is that uh, simplicity is for acquisition. Right, you want new players to be able to come and learn the rules easy and have a fun time right away but complexity is for retention. And so as you play more games, you see different cards, you see new abilities, you learn the game by playing and have fun, and it keeps you sucked in for two years, three years down the road. And so we have a really nice system that we think is gonna work very well for people, even for people who uh, aren't deep into you know magic or any of the like really high strategy CCGs. Uh, this will be one that you can, you can ease into and then uh, have have the complexity uh, and and strategy of it really ramp up over time, so uh, I feel I feel really great about it. And you know, with Blockpacks having a background in uh, in collecting and uh, and and trading, um, they have made some innovations that I think are really interesting and new in terms of uh, optimizing every part of the CCG. And I think even every part of, of the, the Wonders IP, optimizing it for collectability, optimizing it so that uh, you have the chance to get something really unique and special as a collector in uh, almost every product that you buy. So I don't know, do, do you want to segue into that? Yeah, that's that, I think that's a great segue for me to kind of hit on really what it is with this uh, the booster boxes that we're also going to have available here uh, coming up for everyone to have an allow list opportunity. So if you've seen us, we've 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 shown some of the uh, the, the booster box art, and this is the first time. Uh, and I challenge anyone not challenge. I'm not like saying let's bow up and challenge, but I'd love to know if anyone thinks that this has ever been done before. I'd love to see it because I've. I've never seen it. I've been deep in this space for for 30 years, 30 plus years. Um, and I've never seen anything like it. We're taking such an intentional approach to collectability here. It is just, it's ingrained in our DNA. We're building our company around it because I believe that when you can establish real collector's thesis around different collectible items, that's how value can truly accrue. Meaning when everybody wants to hold something, then you get the demand side and that's where real value happens. And what we've seen so many times in Web3 is that people only want to hold as long as the number go up. But there's really not truly a collector's thesis underlying it where they truly have faith that it's going to be worth something in 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. I will not, I have no, I did not wake up today with any idea that I'm going to sell one of my early Black Lotuses. I'm not going to, I'm not looking to sell an early Charizard. I'm not looking to sell a Mickey Mantle card. Why? Because I have a tremendous amount of confidence that those assets are going to hold value. More people are going to want them later than want them today. And I just, 
believe there's a true collector's thesis there. And we see the durability of those types of assets, even in bloody market times. Yeah, you may get some where there's a down price here or there, but they rebound really quickly because there's generally not a lot of supply because you do have so many people that truly believe in it. And so you have to be, I think, intentional in how you're creating collectability. So with the CCG for Wonders of the First, one of the big things that we're doing is we're even starting at the booster box level to make the booster boxes themselves as close to non-fungible as I think you could get in practicality. And what I meant by that, what I mean by that is the way this mint is going to work on the booster box side. Now, make sure you understand the character proofs are what establish the world. Those are in that first proof of stake contract. Those give you IP rights. Those give you that that digital collectible. I'm talking about specifically now the physical booster boxes, but we're using Web3 and NFTs in a unique way to bring it to life. So what we're going to do is you will be able to mint an NFT for one of these booster boxes or multiple if the opportunity comes your way. Um, there will be a reveal of the booster boxes very similarly to what we're used to with NFTs. Someone, some very lucky person, will hit the serial number box 000, which will be the first box produced. And that first box produced will have one of one artwork on it. And it literally says the first box, and it's got that serial number on it. All 5,000 of the boxes, which is the fixed supply, are going to be available in this serial numbered fashion. That's fixed. It's done. The collector boosters, there will not be more of them for the existence release. To give you some idea or perspective on what that is size-wise, because I know we're used to the world of NFTs, um, but on in the CCG side, a game that recently has had a really good start, it was born out of Kickstarter, was a game called Sorcery. They did 40,000 of their initial boxes. And they're now in their beta release where they've reprinted that set and they're reprinting it uh, as, a, as a separate beta release. Um, but they did 40,000. We're doing 5,000. These are these these collector boosters are going to have our foils, our rares. There will be unique unique cards card versions in the collector boosters that you will not be able to get ex elsewhere. It's our most premium product. If you're familiar with Magic the Gathering, this would be a like it, not just a collector booster, but like the Commander Masters collector booster. Sixty cards, all foils, all rares. We will have play boosters that will be more geared towards game players. Um, people that want to beat the crap out of the cards, paper cards, uh, and we say paper, they feel the same in your hand, but a foil card is just shiny and a paper card is not shiny. So when I say paper, I don't literally mean paper, but they're referred to as paper cards. Um, so it would be, you know, the, the different production type for the player cards. And then there will be some foils in there. And we've got a couple of little special things to, to make the, the, cause everybody loves to chase something, whether you're a player or a, or a collector, everybody wants to chase a little something. So the player boosters will have a little something, but the juice, the collectible juice is, is in these collector boosters, right? And that supply set at 5,000, that's it. There won't be another one for this release. Um, and again, someone will be fortunate enough that they will get serial number zero. We've already got offers floating around in our Discord for $15,000 for that box. That doesn't happen in any other type of CCG release. When Lord of the Rings released for Magic the Gathering uh, this year, 
there was nobody offering ten thousand dollars for a magic or fifteen thousand for a magic the gathering box. They you know they were going for four hundred fifty five hundred bucks secondary market, but they were fungible, right? And so there's there's a really nice upside already established in this mint because of the collectability we've put around these boosters. And so and not only that, we're using Web three in two really unique ways for the booster box mint. The first is that on-chain provable random distribution and then matching the serial number of your NFT to the box that you get redeemed. That solves a lot of problems in the physical card world around confidence in buying a box with my credit card on Amazon and they telling me, we may ship you the first ever box. You may get lucky. Like I just wouldn't trust it. And I don't think anybody would. I mean, people don't even trust where the cards go in the boxes and, and there aren't backroom deals or certain breakers getting certain products. So this solves a lot of those problems. And we're excited about that. The second thing that it does is because this is a pre-sale process, um, it also allows the bo booster boxes to establish a financial secondary market immediately because you could trade them all the way up until the time they're released. Once the release date gets here, which we're targeting for Q3, um, you will be able to either, uh, you'll have one year from that release date to then ultimately claim your booster box and redeem it. Um, if you hit one of the first 100 serial numbers and you want, we will vault it for you and move it over as a block packs vault token using that method I said earlier that we, we tokenize collectibles. Um, but we're, we're not set up to, to just hold pallets and pallets of boxes. So people, you will need to redeem your boxes. Now I know good and well, some of my own friends are going to not redeem a box or two just so they can keep the NFT. I don't think that'll be a tremendous number of those, but some people are going to do it. At the end of that year, any of the boosters that aren't that aren't redeemed, we will literally video us putting them in a bonfire and burning them. So it's going to be kind of a Damien Hurst currency type situation, if you're familiar with that, where if you want to keep that booster box NFT, I, I can't stop you from doing that. But you, after the year, you won't also be able to get the, 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 the booster box. So you're going to have to pick your poison there. Um, but again, the NFTs do two very unique things. Help us establish that randomization and then also allow us to have uh, a secondary market that starts immediately. It also allows us to gate you in for play testing and all that sort of things, which, which Brian can talk about. But we also have more than just the one of one for the first box. There are six other one of ones and they represent each of the worlds The we call them. They're called the orbitals. They're essentially think of them almost like planets. Uh, there's a one of one box for each of those. Each of those orbitals has a first form, which is essentially think of it as the lowercase g god of that planet. And those characters have a box each limited to a supply of 100. I know personally, I very much want a set of all six of the, the first forms. So that means there's six out of those, there's six booster boxes there that I want to get. Um, to have that set of all the first forms. And I don't think I'll be alone in that. Now, think about this. As we're talking through that, we've got the rarest cards that are in these boxes. The boxes themselves are collectibles. I think what we're going to see is that a lot of people just aren't going to open these boxes. So now you're going to be in a situation where the circulating supply of cards 
are going is going to be low because a lot of them are going to stay sealed in the box. There's no way in the world I would rip a box limited to a hundred or less. I mean, you might, but I wouldn't do that. Um, and then the the one we call the dragon box, it's the most common. There'll be 4,200 of those. Um, those, some will get opened, and that's how some of these uh, hiring cards will ultimately end up in circulation. I think they'll come out of dragon boxes. But even the dragon boxes are still those first boxes. They're still serial numbered. And before I kind of kick it back over to some other folks to, to, keep, to, to uh, make some other points, if this had been done when Pokemon originated and their first ever booster box of 1999 first edition base set was known or if at gen con the first box of alpha magic that was sitting on the table that was truly that first production box if we had the the the, the provenance of those either of those today i really believe you're talking about the type of collectible that just it just it, it's, it's it's almost impossible to even guess what the price could be because it's it's the kind of thing that a couple billionaires could fight for but 20, 30, 40 million, I, I definitely think is in the cards for any of those. Now, we're a long way from being any of those franchises. But what we are doing is we're establishing that collectability and that mindset uh, from day one. So, uh, Kish, uh, Tinsman, did I uh, miss anything there that you guys want to maybe add on to about the, the booster box? And Caroline, maybe help keep me, keep me in line on any of the uh, blocking and tackling tactical stuff that we need to cover as well, please. You know Nothing on the booster box stuff unless, um, you know, Brian has something. I want to touch back on the art. But before we do, Brian, did you have anything on the booster boxes you wanted to add? Okay. I'll take the silence as uh, a no. So one of the things that I really wanted to touch on, uh, you know, you mentioned earlier that this is specifically, uh, you know, we're really leaning into AI and we've done so to great success with the art um, and in other places. And we plan to, in the future, really lean into the AI trend, not trend, the really the, the you know, shift in technology that's happening there. And, uh, you know, when we started this and started looking at, okay, well, how do we do 5,000 pieces of art and how do we make it to the level that this community expects and wants and you know the bar really was looking at how magic the gathering uh did their process for some of their art and so one of the things that we did is like i said every token had to have its place here inside of this universe but it doesn't mean that all we did was plug some things into you know ai and let it run and the 5000 tokens is what we got and then that's what you'll see Every single one of these tokens has been touched by a human hand. Every single one of these tokens has been concepted by a human mind. So yes, the AI helped scale us to where we needed to be for this collection, but it is absolutely human centric at its core. And so what you'll see is, you know, a large spectrum of characters, creatures, and et cetera, et cetera. But just know that a human eye, a human hand, and a human mind was behind every single one of these at the end of the day. And I think that's going to add and lend a lot of credibility to what we've accomplished here. Yeah, I mean, kudos to to, to Chris and the, the team of, of artists that they've managed, that he's managed, and that, you know, bringing this together. And 
you know, we'll we'll talk a little bit more as we get down the stretch here about the art and dig in a little deeper on a lot of different things. We'll get into the Q and A. I've got some other stuff that I want to cover around the art that this isn't necessarily the space for. We'll be doing a lot of talking between now and uh, the time that everything is is in is in wallets and and in the wild. But it really is. It's hard to grasp exactly how many you know what five thousand unique tokens really and truly look like when you put them all together. And we have a review process that we go through that allows us to go through and, and review the tokens and, and do QC checks and that sort of thing. And just just the diversity that we're seeing. And if you scroll back in my feed, you can see some of that. I was kind of sharing that stuff in real time. And even though I was involved in the process all the way through and I was seeing samples of art and direction and aesthetics and all those sort of things, I mean, until I truly got into the QC there were so many things that I had never seen before. Uh, some of the the naming, just it's just it really is. It's 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 really 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 specially well done. And um, and and Kish, just give you all the flowers in the world on on that side of things. But you know, a team effort in a lot of different ways here. You know, the technical side, the engineers landing that. A lot of innovation again around the collectability of the of the way we want to do the booster boxes and being so intentional. Um, and Brian, are you are you still here? I know Kish asked you and you weren't able to, or you didn't say anything. Are you still with us? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah. So, um, and maybe like you could kind of tell us like what you envision. You know, what does it look like as far as you know mobilizing a community like this? You know, we've had conversations around how you know you get play testers and then you release a game, and e- even if you have a team of 10, 20 play testers. You put a game in the hands of of your community, your 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 first player group, and they're going to just find things that there was no way with all the possible deck combinations that sort of thing that you would ever find. Um, and you know we have this really unique ability with Web three with token gating the f- people that are holding the the booster boxes to really bring them in the tent for that final stage of play testing and that sort of thing with print and play and whatnot. Maybe if you'll just give folks a an idea of kind of what you think that that process might uh, might look like as we move ahead. Yeah, we are at the stage where we have the game systems uh, completed and we've got uh, card sets and abilities. And uh, we would love to partner with the community to uh, start getting together some playtest groups. And, you know, as as Frenchie mentioned, uh, when you when you publish and release a game, uh, more more testing happens in the first hour that it's released to the public than a game development team can do in you know years of playtesting. So uh, as as a as a way to counteract that effect, uh, the the best thing to do is get together a, a group of uh, playtesters, but then also those playtesters become uh, part of the the story of the game and part of the. The development community too, and uh, get to have their input and say on uh, card abilities and the the direction of game play, and uh, is super helpful for uh, the game design team to understand uh, the direction to take the game as we go forward. So we are looking to uh, put together for those who are interested, uh, and for those who um, have the NFTs uh, to bring bring you guys into the beta testing team. Yeah, and I, I do want to echo here again that that part of the process is totally optional. Like I, 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 I always try to build things that I would want 
for myself. And I can just tell you right now, I'm very busy. And, you know, even projects that I'm in, like Yuga, they've released some things that I really haven't had time to, to play with. I just, I've been too busy. And I know a lot of you are busy. Some of you love that type of stuff. And that's great. We want you to dive in and be able to go as deep as you want and be involved in that process. And that becomes infectious for others who may not have the time, but they see you get excited about it. They see your feedback and and it just it really just kind of creates this this cycle. There are a lot of people that own Pokemon cards that never play Pokemon. I'm in, I'm one of those people. Like I very rarely ever would even sit down and think about trying to do play with the cards, but I collect them and I really enjoy collecting them. And I enjoy collecting Magic and these other franchises. If you're a collector, you don't have to ever play the game. Like it's and and again, we're we're trying to be very specific in making sure that we have the lane for our collectors the lane for our players, and then also really good lane for those that view themselves as both. But just don't take away from this, oh, this is going to be work. We're going to work really hard to make sure that nothing here has to be work unless you want to roll your sleeves up and jump in. If you want to, it's going to be there. If you don't, all you got to do is chill, wait for the boxes to drop, wait for for them to actually ship. All right, Dave, you can kill that music, man. I sorry about that, everyone. I'm uh, not sure exactly where I dropped. My phone started blowing up, so I flipped over, and that usually means that something's wrong. And sure enough, it was. Um, I, I think we actually got through the bulk of kind of what we wanted to cover. Our goal was to kind of keep that keep the space to about thirty minutes, so we could really try to maximize our re-listens. Um, and you know, I feel like we kind of covered the bulk of everything. Maybe what we'll do here is just. Uh, go around, get uh, Kisher and, and Tinsman back up and, and Caroline as well. And let's just maybe do a quick uh, anything that y'all think we didn't hit on or or any other point that you'd maybe like to emphasize. Um, while we're waiting for the others to get on stage, I don't I don't think Kisher's up or, or I don't think um, Tinsman's up yet. I see Caroline's here. I will tell you that the uh, the booster boxes, they are going to be uh, $225 uh, U.S. equivalent. Um, I think if you price check that against the market for uh, premium CCG type like this, there's really nothing that you can look at that's this low of a supply. Um, and we do have a lot of overhead in the collection for, not, not that I want to sell you something based on cost-based pricing, that's a crappy way to sell anything you want to sell based on value. But I, th- I think the value is way beyond that 225 price point. Um, but, you know, we're going to be pick-pack shipping the specific serial numbers. Um, it, it adds some complexity us, to us in the, in, the, in the production process, but I think it's all going to pay dividends back to collectors. I mean, if we had landed this at, you know, 150 or 160 and done it without some of these really unique innovations, I think it would have been a, a much more inferior product. And I, I think it's, frankly, I think it's priced really fair. And so, again, you take that price point, you think about this from a mint standpoint, your upside here, you, you do the mint for the booster box, your upside is one of the rare boxes, one, you know, 15,000 already floating around for box one. Um, I'm not, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not talking about speculative pricing here of like a, an NFT. I mean, that's just, that's what's in Discord, right? So where will that ultimately settle? I don't know. What will that mean for the other one-on-one boxes and the limited 100 boxes? I don't know. Um, 
And, uh, but your downside to this mint is a physical booster box. And so I think that's pretty, I think it's pretty, pretty good. You have this, you have the upside, limited downside with the physical booster. Um, getting in early on the franchise, I think is really cool. Would love to see you all participate in that. And then also would love to see as many of you as, as can to, to get a character proof. And that's going to be a lot of fun. I think there's a great, a great, great digital collector's thesis around the the character proofs. I know the Lost Miner community is very excited about that upcoming claim. Um, would love to have any of you that aren't in grab two miners and, and be able to get on that list by in the morning for yourself. Um, or, uh, you know, just uh, you, you look at look for one on secondary. And again, you'll have about a week to hit those pre-reveal. One thing I don't think I mentioned earlier is that the way it's going to work on the character proofs, let me hit this really quick. On the character proofs, we're going to take token zero and then one through six, which is where the orbitals will go. And token zero is the actual wonder, the actual first token that has the artwork that's the 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 light ring light in the middle with the with the planets around it. That is the first. That token, we're going to pull those out of the of the state contract and Right before the reveal of all the character art, we will run a random for those to, to award them to people that are holding the character proof. So every character proof you hold unrevealed is a chance not only to hit a good character, it's a chance to be airdropped token zero, the first. And that's the one that's got, again, that's already got, I can't remember, I don't want to misquote, but I... It, 10, 15,000, somewhere in that ballpark already offers out on that token as well. And I'm um, a lot of interest around that. And there'll be a lot of interest, I think, around the orbitals. Um, but the way you get those is just hold your unrevealed character proofs, however many you have. It won't be wallet-based. You don't need to put them in multiple wallets. It's, it's, it'll be, we'll random it to a specific token. So whoever has token number 35 gets the first and we'll airdrop that into your wallet. And so that's going to be really fun um, to see who takes home those tokens. And then the reveal itself will be shortly after that. Uh, the booster box reveal will depend on how the sale goes. Um, we do recognize this is a bear market. Um, we don't necessarily have the hype and platform that some other communities have. If the booster boxes do not sell out through this phase, what we are good at is selling through traditional media and we'll actually sell it to TCG players outside of Web3 um, and then we'll do the reveal once it sells out, no later than Q1 of 24. If it sells out during the uh, NFT portion of it, um, which would be great. I'd love love for us to uh, love for this to get picked up a little bit wider in the in the Web3 community. So tell your friends we'd love to love to have more folks in. And if it does, then we'll we'll reveal very shortly after that. Um, but at the latest, no matter what, you'll you'll find out in uh, in Q1 uh, how your your booster box reveal goes. So that's enough there for me. Uh, Kish, you want to take it? And James, if you could, can you bring Icon Seed back up? I see that he hasn't made it back up on stage. And uh, if you're listening out there, uh, Brian, maybe send in a request. And but let's try to get him on stage too. But Chris, I'll give it to you first, and maybe uh, wrap up with anything you want to cover. I mean, I think. We covered just about everything on the spaces that we wanted to cover. And, you know, I'm excited because um, there's a lot that we didn't cover and we will be revealing in the future and as plans uh, for this franchise continue to scale and grow. And I mean, 
I don't know. I've been working on this project every single day, every weekend, no joke, uh, for the last year, over a year. And, you know, I skipped out on Burning Man. I skipped out on a number of things to bring this universe to life. And I am just ecstatic and overjoyed to actually see it get out into the wild, to see uh, the community bring the stories to life, to work with Brian to get this on you know, tabletops. You know, I played Pokemon and Magic. I played the sets that Brian made uh, while he worked for Wizards of the Coast. And now I get to work with him in doing the same thing and building what I played as a kid. So. That's all. I'm just absolutely stoked, and I can't wait, and I hope you are all as stoked as well. Awesome. Brian, did you have uh, some, anything there? We were trying to give it to you there before I think things went bonkers. Anyway, feel free to take as much as you want. If there's anything that you, you want to cover, you don't don't be in a rush. You can feel free to cover it. Yeah, I just I just want to remark that uh, – how, what a, what a strange and different project this is from what's typically found in a uh, collectible card game industry. You think about a lot of the other uh, games and properties that are in this in this field, and the, the ones that have 5,000 different characters are the ones that have built that up over 10, 20 years. And, you know, each of those characters are kind of added one group at a time so that, you know, the, this faction of elves or the, you know, the, the, the faction of angels um, gets to be uh, the, like the star of a set. But here we are creating 10 or 20 years worth of characters all at once, all in one go, making sure that they are all fit together well and they all tell a story and, and fill out this universe uh, that has so many uh, facets and places to explore in it. It's really, I've, I've never seen anything like this uh, done before. And it's, you know, part of it's a testament to the team, part of it's a testament to new technology that has never existed before in this, uh, in, in, in the industry. And it's really, it's kind of a, a step forward in, uh, you know, creative development field. Um, so to me, that's exciting to be a part of that. Awesome. Love it. Caroline, did you have anything that you'd like to offer here as we wrap up? I gotta say, I feel like you covered it all. Um, equally excited, super proud of the team, Kisher, you, Brian, and everyone that's been working so hard on this and just really excited as well. Awesome. Yeah, so, you know, just wrapping up, I mean, again, we've, uh, you know, being here for now, I guess, you know, going on three years in in Web3 and coming into it with things that we were good at, things that we had bumps in the road and growing pains along the way. Um, but I really believe like, I really believe that Wonders of the First is a culmination of a lot of things that we've learned. Um, it's, we've had, you know, a lot of time. We took our time with this. And as evidenced by the fact that we've had this contract we secured this contract on September 15th of 2022. And we began brainstorming and talking to people about how to utilize that contract. We turned down opportunities to sell that contract and those tokens because we wanted to build. We weren't here to take a quick lick for our work in landing it. We wanted to build on it. And after reviewing a number of different strategies and things that we could use it for, ultimately settling on building out our own world of IP. And I can unpack a lot of that stuff later too, of why maybe that was the, that was the decision we chose. Um, but 
it's really exciting. And I do think that there's a lot of stuff that really is the culmination of all of that experience kind of coming together. And I really believe this is going to be something special. I'm excited about owning my own character, Proust, not as not as the company, but as me as an individual, as a collector. I can't wait to see what my character proofs will reveal. And look, the, the, the reveal's on, on chain, provable random using chain link. And if I hit the first token, I'm going to be really happy about it because um, I'm a collector at heart. That's just what I am, right? And, and everybody has that equal opportunity and everyone will know that no books are cooked. I mean, it's just that's just the way the, the random works. And the same thing on the booster boxes. I can't wait to collect them. And I hope that you all feel the same way. And I hope you see the thesis that we've established here of why we think this can position to accrue value over time um, because of the way that it's built, the intentionality that it's built with uh, as a collectible, as collectible assets. And um, yeah, so that's all we got. And uh, I guess we'll wrap it up there. And again, we'll have more stuff coming down the pipe, but if you're not on the allow list, please uh, get on. And uh, we absolutely look forward to the mint and, uh, and having everybody involved. So talk to you all soon.